I'm Tim Goodman, the Chronicle's television critic. And I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's media writer. And you are listening to a... Chronicle Podcast. I love you. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> little classic tv tm there <laughs> as uh joe garofoli expresses his love for you i have no idea why there was like uh was that a mandolin or a, what was that? i think the suggestion there is that you were two hillbillies sitting on a porch somewhere ah gotcha That's, well it's we a, tried a lot of stuff uh this is the tv <laughs> talk machine podcast i'm jason snell the <laughs> official new archivist of old material and uh with you as always your host chief tv critic at the hollywood reporter now no longer at the chronicle it is for for like a decade it's tim goodman hello <laughs> Hey Jason, you've been quite busy in the archives finding some gems. I was, I was in there. I am a regular Peter Hartlaub. Uh, that nobody's going to get that one, but his cousin. Um, the boy, I'm full of the references. I put that thing together, and people are people are listening to the old uh, TVTM. And one thing that I I found that I had forgotten about is that eventually the perplexing intros where uh, where somebody was you know managing editor was awoken and explained that he had to introduce a podcast, <laughs> uh, and then we moved on to Phil Bronstein giving his. You, there's, a, there's a podcast and if you don't like it i'm gonna punch you that the, that intro and after a while then they didn't care and they they uh they had you guys do obviously they didn't care because they had you and joe do an intro for chronicle podcasts <laughs> sitting on your porch with the banjo strumming in the background and yeah that was the beginning of them just forgetting we, that there was even a second floor no that we don't yeah. just forget about it anyway yeah, i I, I, it. I heard that and laughed and i thought i could bring that back i could i could bring that one of my favorite uh old bits back um i I should actually say before we get started, we got a very nice tweet from uh, Branduin Briggs, who uh, is uh, I, cl- I pointed out that she's got a Lord of the Rings reference uh, in her name, um, but she tweets sometimes about where she's listening to podcasts, and she said, "I'm on the way to Berkeley, listening to the old TVTM. Senator Obama has presumably just become president. <laughs> Bill Walton, what a time warp! Yes, it's nice." <laughs> old fans remembering and making some new fans who are yeah. there is somebody there there uh our uh our listener brandon uh seems to be uh doing a binge of the old tvtm which means uh our condolences to his family basically sorry yeah sorry for that yeah he, he's Although... gonna he died doing what he loved saying <laughs> oh what are you doing what are you doing yeah you know i think they're i i think we should pre- prepare ourselves there could be a groundswell of people wanting bill walton to come back once they find out who Bill Walton is yeah. and how he talks uh-huh. with that deep, He's, deep seven footer. Now, now that now that it's 2019, I think we have to explain. Bill Walton was a famous <laughs> basketball player and broadcaster who was the father of Luke Walton, of Luke Walton who you may <laughs> the have Lakers heard of. Coach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what are you doing? Oh, LeBron, it's... you're not the greatest. Coach Wooden would have been unhappy with you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm doing like Eeyore. It's not even Walton. I don't even know oh, what that well, is. Well, Eeyore's a good choice, too. I'm a big fan of Eeyore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we do. this is a podcast about television, theoretically, uh-huh. uh, more than the old one was. And uh, we have a story that you wrote to talk about. We talked about uh, similar things last week, but you wrote a new story that I think is really great um, about... Uh, so. When uh, everybody's throwing out their books because Marie Kondo told them to, and I talked to people who were like, I don't know why everybody is suddenly talking about this lady. And I had to explain um, that even though she's been doing this for years, nobody really cared until she had a show on Netflix. And then suddenly everybody knew who she was. Mm -hmm. And it's that the power of Netflix. And you wrote a piece about the power of Netflix, the power of Netflix's stats, which we've talked about here. They've got, you 
know, a whole Silicon Valley level tech team that's looking at all of their analysis of people's behavior on their site and what they watch and what else they watch and all of that. But they keep it all secret. So it's the close, most closely guarded secret in the TV world. And then they do this thing where they just drop these little bombs where they're like, <laughs> oh, by the way, 40 million people watch sex education and 40 million people watch that show that only got 400,000 viewers on Lifetime. So why is Lifetime even a thing anymore? And uh, your column is basically about that, about like not only like the, the hoarding of information by Netflix, the, the, the careful releasing of it, the swagger that they have, and the fact that this leads to, you know, kind of like th- this is the big power move that Netflix has it, when they're making deals with, uh, with anybody else, which is do you want your thing to be seen or not? Because everybody watches Netflix. Yeah, I mean, industry-wise, um, you know, the, we talked a little bit about this, I think, at one point. But you, the series that was on um, right. Lifetime. Not me and, personally. I was not on Lifetime. <laughs> no, not you. You were not there. Uh, and weirdly enough, it um, you is still a woman in, uh, woman in peril story, which is what was the lifeblood of Lifetime for a- ages, um, un- unfortunately. But it still was that. It's a stalker series. But, you know, it got like, what, 600? I think the max episode got 650,000. Uh, and then it went over to um, Netflix and it got 40 million. Um, world, you know, worldwide, hey, Greg, presumably, right? Those numbers, I yeah. assume, are worldwide. Mm-hmm. So it's not yeah. quite apples and oranges, uh, or it is apples and oranges. You can't, like, it's not a U.S. number. It's a worldwide number, but still. But still. And then there's, yeah. And, you know, there's also the um, presumption when they drop that number to shareholders um, and then said that their new series, uh, Sex Education, had 40 million and that uh, uh, Sandra Bullock uh, movie Bird Box had 80 million viewers. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the presumption that because it was within the first four weeks that that number is going to grow. And so that's, I, 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 you know, I love the theater and I wrote that I like the theater of all of this because I think they know exactly what they're doing. Although I had a really interesting conversation with somebody from, uh, over email with somebody from Netflix and, um, I'll maybe be able to talk about that at some points. Um, they thought it was funny. Um, they enjoyed the article. Uh, but you, so Greg Berlanti, who has, I think like 15 shows on the air, he did you, and he has a Warner brothers deal, uh, through 2024, $400 million. He's one of those Ryan Murphy type people who got, you know, all these, all this money. So he's not going to sign with, with uh, Netflix, but the point that I made, you can use his show called you that, that where Netflix can now say, Okay, it was made 650,000 people watched it on, on Lifetime and 40 million watched it on our service. So what, which do you want? What would you want? I mean, it's an enormous, enormous tool, uh, and a hammer, if you will, to, to help like sort of hot market creators, the individual creators. Now I'm not talking about these mega deals that he gets, um, you know, or Shonda Rhyme gets. I'm just talking about somebody has a really good show. And you want to tap that person because maybe the next show that they make is going to be really great too. Where do you go? Netflix has that is such a benefit and it's such an advantage to Netflix to be able to say, well, you can do this over on linear television or 40 million and growing on our side. It's a it's a tough one. I mean, this is why I was when we talk about Apple, like I imagine basically if you're Apple um, and maybe even if you're Amazon or Hulu or someone else, um, in some ways you got to overpay for mm-hmm. content now because um, you're you like, why wouldn't we make that deal with Netflix instead? 
Yeah. Um, and the answer is, well, we'll give you more money. Well, over, but it's like a free agent deal in, in baseball or something like that. Well, okay, I could play for the Padres, but you're going to need to pay me a lot more than if I'm playing for the Yankees because you're the Padres. Uh, and, and maybe if you, you write me a big enough check, I don't care that you're the Padres. I don't care right. mm-hmm. that you're, that, that you're a, a uh, less successful and smaller uh, team than, than the big famous guys. But Netflix, yeah, Netflix is setting the, the, the conversation is all about Netflix. Like it, it is such a huge thing. And, and, um, and what do you think, like you mentioned something interesting, which is like what they don't say is also a, a part of this, which is, you know, they very carefully choose what they release and then everybody mm-hmm. gloms onto those numbers. They don't talk about the ones, I mean, they, they cancel shows. They do, they do that, mm-hmm. but they also have shows that they, that, uh, everybody assumes are going to do well. But you mentioned bodyguard, like who knows? Like, did Bodyguard not do as well, even though it had all that hype? Whereas Sex Education, which had no hype, did incredibly well. It's like, well, they're not going to talk about that part of it. They're going to let you wonder. Yeah, and it's, uh, yeah, and and furthering that, it's like, yeah, that's why I said, you know, I won't, I won't say the F-bomb so we don't have to check the box, but it was a mind F is what this is. This is, <laughs> this is what Netflix does because it's, F-X-X-X. it's <laughs> yes, it's, yeah, it's, it's like the end of the F world, you know, that, that series that they have, but you know, I think that they were kind of like, kind of laughing about that stuff, but it's this haphazard um, no rhyme or reason revealing of these numbers, which drives other executives and other platforms insane. Mm-hmm. And I know that it does because I've talked to these people and it, <laughs> and they're either mad at Netflix or they're confused at Netflix or they're envious. Um, you know, they just, they, they get people who probably shouldn't talk about it, talking about it or, and they keep them up at night. And I think that they're having a very, very good time doing this. And, um, because everybody thinks stranger things and, and a couple of, you know, maybe 13 reasons why other ones are these big, huge, huge hits on, on Netflix. Although the second season of 13 reasons why, which shouldn't even be created. I don't think that was a, a big deal, but stranger things, uh, is definitely right. I mean, that's like one of yeah. their big ticket items. Um, and there's no mention of Stranger Things ratings. So when you say, oh, well, you, which we picked up from Lifetime, and then we also did this thing on our own called Sex Education, which is great, by the way. It had 40 million. I, I'm like, okay, well, wait, what's with your other hits? Does this mean that they're insanely less watched than that? I bring up the thing where they say that Bird Box, which is one of their own created series, 80 million I mean, movies, 80 million, but they also have the Oscar nominated best picture in Roma and no figures about that, which would, you know, it would naturally lead you to say, well, what's Roma getting? Is it, is Roma like a gigantic embarrassment (laughs) despite the Oscar nod? And I don't think that that's true either. I just think that they're not telling you. And that weird, I think that the logic part of people's brains is, okay, Bird Box, 80 million. Are you going to say anything about Roma? And they're all, no, why? And it drives people crazy because they want to, <laughs> they want to be, they want confirmation that Roma is an art film and didn't do well. And Netflix is not going to give them that. But Netflix is also thinking maybe it got 60 million and we just decided we wouldn't do it. But 60 million is pretty damn great, isn't it? And it like, it just messes with people. And I just, I just loved it. I, you know, it brings up a lot of questions, but you know, their note to shareholders, their letter to shareholders is 
that, as I said in my thing, and I don't think we have, I don't think we have to check the box, but it's up to you. But like, that is some serious ass swagger, man. That is <laughs> like that note to shareholders was like, you know, we don't really have any competition. HBO is not our competition. It's Fortnite. Fortnite. Yeah. You know, and then it's like, there's that little line in there where it's like, Hey, you know, YouTube kind of had a power outage or something, but we got a ton of new subscribers when they did. And they're like, Hulu, which is kind of a good, all right, but we're not really our competitors. We're, and we do way better than them. It was like this little unnecessary mention of Hulu in their thing, which basically said everybody else below us is not our concern. And I just thought, Oh my God, you guys are, that is some serious, serious ass swagger right there. And it, it does drive people crazy. And I just thought it would made, I loved it because it's great drama. Um, and I, and I, I thought it would made for a good column. Has anybody, I, I don't see this happening. I know that this has been tried in the past, but like, could it be that we, that somebody gears up? I mean, or does it matter because nobody's, nobody's going to pay for it because nobody wants to know, like you could do a, a Nielsen style, you know, some, some kind of a, like a sample of people who have, uh, streaming services and get some idea of what people are watching and maybe some of that is happening sort of privately in the background i don't know but it is funny that we're entering a world where outside of a few cases um just nobody needs to disclose any numbers like amazon doesn't need to either yeah and 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 they and they shouldn't and you know there was i'm pretty sure i remember a conversation at tca where um uh david nevins from showtime said that he he did regret eventually you know saying what uh, starting a, uh, you know, uh, a habit of telling people what Showtime viewers were, right. which is totally un- unnecessary because they're a subscriber, uh, subscribers, as is HBO. You only release um, the numbers. I mean, I learned this covering Apple, especially now that Apple has stopped reporting unit sales. Like, there are the things, Apple as a public company has certain numbers that they have to disclose, but there is that question of like, well, if we don't have to disclose it, we should not. And they do a lot of like, careful releases of specific numbers that are made to make them look better and that's what netflix is doing and yeah if you're showtime or hbo like hbo is going to tell people how many people watch the premiere of game of thrones this year right because it's going to be an enormous Mm -hmm. number but um those are the only numbers you should ever release are the ones that make you look good right otherwise why if you don't have to why would you yeah, exactly. And I have a theory on that because, you know, look, these are look, HBO and Showtime are now legacy brands, basically. And so my theory is that they when they got into the game and that was ages ago, but at some point they were just, quote unquote, part of the TV industry. And this is what you did in the industry. You revealed your Nielsen numbers. You talked to the press. You put out press releases. You did all this stuff. It was just, I think they, they did something out of habit because everybody else did it. And this is what the industry did, um, even though there was not like a law on it, especially if you're a, a subscription-based service. And then, you know, not too long ago, uh, Netflix came along, which is not part of the... They didn't even want anything to do with like being a part of the TV industry. They do not consider themselves like at that point that part of they were more like an internet company. Um, and they said, well, your rules don't apply to us. So why would we? And I think that HBO Netflix, definitely, uh, F, I mean, sorry, uh, Showtime and definitely FX, they were apoplectic about that attitude and I, and it pissed them off. It really did. And it was like, well, what, <laughs> you know, like they just didn't have a good argument. And Netflix was like, nah, we're not going to do it. And then what made everybody mad was, 
And, and look, I've been on the other side of this as a critic when Netflix has periodically said, this is the highest performing show on our platform. We're, we're like, well, yeah, prove it. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, I, we don't do ratings and then do ratings when you want to. But of course, Netflix's response was exactly what you just said. Well, yeah, we can. <laughs> and I think it, it annoyed people. So that, you know, they're just, they're, this is what this column was about. They're releasing numbers that benefit them and when they want to. And I think that they've added in this kind of mental jujitsu thing where like, we're going to leave other ones out because we know you're going to be sleepless worrying about it. <sighs> that's amazing. What, what, <laughs> yeah. a weird, what a weird world. The, and, and you've got an industry that's entirely focused on, or at least was historically entirely focused on ratings. And now there's just like a heavy fog has rolled in. And it will never leave. <laughs> it, w- it will never leave. And, uh, you know, it's funny because TCA started up uh, this week. And, um, you know, I'm not, I don't cover the winter tour anymore. Right. And I only, and when the summer, I'm, I'm really only going for cable and streaming because that's really what I do the most of. Um, and I saw, you know, unfortunately, because I'm on, I'm on Twitter for music Twitter a lot. And, you know, I see, I see these tweets and I saw the networks talking about ratings and some things and how they're okay. And, and then I saw some numbers being crunched by people on Twitter who do that kind of thing. And the numbers were so low and they were raving about it. I was just like, we're in a weird world right now where the, in what world is that a good number? And you know, in that same announcement from Netflix, they talked about a, a series that they have from Turkey that had 10 million viewers in the first four weeks. I, I can tell you right now, if a broadcast network had that, they'd be doing backflips. Yeah. So we live in a different world. And I took that moment to say, to remind myself, and I tweeted out like, you know what? I am just going to let the networks, I'm not, I'm not going to be goaded into responding to this because in 2017, you know, they got up in front of us when they were, you know, you and I talked about it regularly. They were, they were the, dino, they were the original dinosaur ship. And they said, no, all of that coverage is wrong. We're fine. We figured out how to amortize our costs. We, we not to make profit in a 30 day window. And I was like, okay, that I can't, I can't check that technically. So if you guys are happy and you're, have abandoned the overnight ratings and the seven, you know, I'm sure you're, there's more inf- uh, importance on the live plus seven, but if you're going to sell us on this fairy tale that you are profitable on all platforms and over a 30 day period, I don't even want to argue anymore. I accept your, <laughs> I accept your uh, report and now I don't have to worry about you anymore. Yeah. All right. Um, not not a lot going on. You got some premieres that are happening in a couple of weeks, so I think we'll have some reviews next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have some letters. You want to do some letters? Let's do letters. All right. Uh, a very nice tweet, helpful tweet from our friend uh, Jason Barry on Twitter, who just wanted to point out that that uh, Nat Geo show. This is basically our Stephanie uh, corner, where Stephanie, the publicist at Nat Geo, who listens <laughs> to the podcast, we give her a little shout out we and say Stephanie. that the Nat Geo series Mars is streaming on Netflix as of today. So if you missed it originally, you should check that out. I don't think. Oh. Oh, Stephanie really? gets any benefit from that, but uh, we love Stephanie, and uh, you can check out that the hybrid series Mars now on Netflix, according to Jason, listener Jason. Um, I got a letter from Jeff in the six five zero. 
Uh, Jeff says, I'd like to tie this back to an episode you guys did a while back about the importance of curation and how the streaming services do or may handle it. It's pretty simple. Why don't they pay you to license your perspective? You're already literally providing the most valuable curation service imaginable. Think about it. I'm sure many, many of your listeners grew up like I did, looking forward to watching Siskel and Ebert every week, and I didn't agree with their every review, but I spent so much time with their show, I really knew them, and based on their reviews, I could tell almost certainly whether I would like a movie or not. I would love nothing more than to open Netflix or Amazon and have an option to filter by one of Tim's many lists. And eventually, <laughs> doesn't everything become social anyway? Shouldn't my friends and I be able to share what we watch uh, and our ratings with friends and family right through the system itself? I'm sure I can go online and find Cardi B's holiday favorite songs playlist. Why can't I filter by Jason's sci-fi classics? I mean, isn't this one of the things we love about bookstores? The dedicated shelf to staff favorites? Over time, you figure out who you should, who you match up with best and look forward to the next thing they throw on the shelf. Maybe in the UI developers uh, at Amazon should, uh, or maybe the UI developers at Amazon should visit a bookstore. Awkward. Uh, anywho, uh, thanks pro- for providing for free what the streamers can't do with their billions, Jeff in the 650. I, I uh, wonder, uh, fortunately, I think the brain trust of the Hollywood Reporter and its parent company don't listen to this podcast because if I were them, I would be talking to streaming services about like, can we license Tim's uh, uh, Tim's <laughs> different curated lists and, and all that? But the fact is, Netflix thinks that their algorithm will do much better. I'm not sure I believe them. Um, but I think that's a good point. This is like a missing piece of this is there is a lot of social, you know, what your friends are watching and all of that. And the streaming services basically don't want any part in it. They have, if they had those features, they've basically taken them out. They, they do their own thing now. And I'm not sure that's a good idea. I might understand like why they do it from a business perspective, but I'm not sure it's a great idea to strip out some of the things that actually have been successful in terms of like new things that we found on the internet, like adding friends and recommending things to them and all that. And like Netflix makes it actually kind of hard to even link to one of their shows, let alone, you know, build a little favorites list or something. You just can't. Yeah, it's um. Hey, look, if they want to do it, and uh, as long as I get a cut of the pie from yeah. THR, I would do it. Yeah, sure, sure. Why not? sure, sure. But anyway, the curation thing. This is. I do think that this is a a uh, an un, a stone left unturned that somebody is going to figure out at some point. And whether it's Netflix or Amazon who figures it out, or it's a third party aggregator or something, somebody is going to figure out that there is a better way to manage um, your entertainment and share stuff, and that you see it with you see it with playlists. On, uh, on music services and all of that. And yet on video, you have to go outside to TV time or to like letterboxed for movies or things like that. And uh, would that not uh, provide more uh, kind of power on the inside? But right now it's basically just like you can give it a thumb up or down and Netflix will do some algorithm stuff and and it's watching what every, your every move and making some guesses. And I don't know. I, I, I do think that they've lost something here. So we'll see. But in the meantime, you'll just have to listen to this podcast and read The Hollywood Reporter to find out what Tim has to say. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. So do, do, you're going to have to do the work yourself until they finally uh, you know, automate it for you. Uh, I've got one from Linda from the 510, the five and dime, the, uh, the, the residence of Tim yes. Goodman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listen to Friday's show and I'm close to cutting the cord, but I don't know how to get PBS shows without cable or waiting a long time. I never watch shows in real time, so an antenna wouldn't work. Do you have any suggestions? Thanks. I listen every week now after I found the show again. I listen to the Chronicle podcast back in the day. Linda from the 510. Oh, I'm pretty sure that PBS is available on all of the other... uh, All the the over-the-top, like YouTube Mm -hmm. TV or... or, um, 
Yeah, Hulu Plus Live, DirecTV yeah. Now, uh-huh. and yeah. PlayStation View. Uh, if you yeah. wanted to do like the over the top, I would also say, um, and that's a monthly fee. If you if you never watch shows in real time, other thing you could do is there are a, a couple TiVo sells one. I think Amazon is going to come out with one for the Fire TV that are basically antenna DVRs where they don't have a cable box, a cable card, anything like that. You So if you are within range from your location in the Five and Dime of putting a, up an antenna and getting a signal from Mount Sutro, in this case, because it's a Bay Area question, um, you could actually do that, too, which is buy a box that's basically a DVR, but only for stuff that's over the air. And they do make those, and those are actually... Uh, my understanding is decent sellers these days as people cut the cord because they want that kind of on-demand experience from their um, their over-the-air stuff that they're recording. So that, that would be a possibility. Or you could look into one of the over-the-air uh, or the uh, over-the-top services where they're, uh, where you're subscribing and PBS is in those too. So there, there are some options. There are definitely some well, options. Yeah. And, and like, you know, I haven't looked into, I mean, it, they've had it for a while. They don't do a very good job of promoting it, but, um, PBS has a, has their own streaming thing called PBS anywhere. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So you can, you can look up PBS anywhere and it works on iOS devices, works on Apple TV, works on Android even. <clears throat> um, so you can, you can pretty much watch it anywhere. Roku. Um, I don't, yeah, it's, I think say, uh, uh yeah you get oh, an app from it, the app store it's, yeah i just looked here and and so again bay area it looks to me like if you become a kqed member you can get the pbs anywhere so that's another way to go that's another way to go yeah so and join, I think, join yeah. the join your local station and then and then sign up for this service yeah that's certainly that's certainly doable and then i think you get the whole archive it's it's and you know the pbs archive is amazingly valuable i just they, they haven't really learned how to do that yet but um hey maybe a whole separate column on pbs they yeah. deserve a little attention too yeah that's right and their business model is different so the rules are kind of different about what mm-hmm. they what they do anyway yes there is um for those of you who do live in places where you get good over the air and you're thinking of cutting the cord um like i said amazon is making they claim a box that you basically attach to your antenna and then you use a fire tv as the interface and it's basically a dvr and uh tivo makes the what they call the bolt ota which is an antenna dvr um 250 uh for the box and then you pay them like seven dollars a month and all of your over-the-air channels get you can get them recorded on the drive and all of that and watch them uh and not pay for cable Although you have to pay for TiVo in that case, so there's options if you are somebody who's got a uh, got a clear antenna signal. I'm behind a mountain, so I can't do that. Sadly, I'm behind the Marin Headlands here, so I can't. Uh, yeah. But uh, if, if you've got line of sight, uh, I have to I have to walk on the hill behind my house, and then I can see Sutro. And unless I'm watching TV uh, while camping out on the hill behind my house, I can't do that. Uh, but maybe that'll work for Linda. I don't know. Uh, we got a good one. For, this is from Hannah in the plus three three, which is France, but born in the five one five. And Hannah okay. says, uh, "I came across something that, while not TV related, is in your general area of interest. Per the Guardian's podcast newsletter, look at me as a podcast you should be listening to." Quote, forget kangaroos and koalas. This new six-parter celebrates underappreciated Australian animals like the giant cuttlefish <laughs> to make sure it's not just the cute and cuddly that get our attention in conservation efforts. Host Benjamin Law learns about their amazing lives and hears from people who have formed a special connection to these animals. Unquote. Uh, current weather aside, maybe Australia isn't a hellscape that wants to kill you or... 
Maybe that's what they want you to think. Hannah and the plus three, three. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. <laughs> um, and we have one final communication, Tim, and it is a voice email from hobo eric oh my god well done here we go all right governor it's hobo (laughs) eric calling from the plus four four i had three comments today uh the first one is about last week your you had a reader who asked for a suggestion of a sitcom a lot of my friends were really into single parents on abc i couldn't stand it but if you're into that thing that might be uh something to look out for Second item up for bid is, have you heard of this show called The Other Two? It's on Comedy Central. It's just premiered. It's very, very good. If you liked Pop Star, Never Stop Popping, or anyway, whatever it was called. It's written by two of the head writers, former head writers of Saturday Night Live. And it's really, really good. It's on Comedy Central and it's after Corporate, which I don't think I've ever heard you talking about, which is another really good comedy to look out for. Third thing, last thing, I promise it's the last thing, is (laughs) streaming costs and the fact that people just don't like to pay for things. And I think the corollary here is between the music industry and why tours are so expensive. As soon as people stop buying music, then the artists had to make their money somehow. So as soon as people are torrenting uh, Game of Thrones, they're torrenting every single piece of media they can. How else are the media organizations to make money? They are a business. Content creators do need to make money and they have to monetize some way. So you got to pay for streaming. You got to pay for maybe multiple streaming items. Maybe you have to keep paying for a cable fee. I don't know. But anyway, I'm not a creator, but I think they should make money. So Anyway, cheerio. Thanks a lot. Hope this wasn't too long. Bye. <laughs> hobo Eric. Yes, Hobo Eric. Number Wait two a, you know in uh-huh. the new TVTM era of audio calls. He's taking up the technology of 2019 mm-hmm. and making a call. Yeah, that's right. He's yeah. he's, he's recorded his it? voice, put it in an mm-hmm. email, and uh, yeah. sent it to us, and we play it, and it's just like magic. So, Single Parents on ABC, which he does not endorse, but he heard his friends liked it. I reviewed it. And did not like it. So you you and Hobo Eric are... We are uh, agreement on that. Simpatico. I've seen that. Mm-hmm. And then the other two on Comedy Central. Yes, I um, I had a chance to review that, and I passed because uh, I didn't like the looks of it. And I thought, well, this is clearly not for me. And I was interested in doing some other industry stuff at the same time. And then he, corporate, which he had mentioned along with it... Corporate is definitely one that everybody's was not on a lot of people's radars, critic wise, um, and has recently, you know, I'm sure some people were on board right away. But yes, more people are taking a look at uh, corporate, which is starting its second season or has started its second season. And I'm going to be one of them. I'm going to go check it out, oh, adding cool. it to my long list of things to look at. All right. It's the uh, it's, it's good. Comedy Central has comedies. Who knew? I had no idea, but it's good. It's good. <laughs> and Hobo Eric has checked in. We've heard his... I'm glad he gave us... Because he is the plus 4-4, four four, even though he has an American accent, he he gave us a, hello, governor, at the beginning. Yeah, he gave us a little shot of he, it. You yeah. got to have some mm-hmm. blighty in there, even mm-hmm. if you're actually just an American overseas. So... Well, Tim, I think we did it. That 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 is whatever we did. I think it's over now. 
<laughs> we, we got to the end. Oh, nice. <laughs> the credits nice. are rolling. Netflix <laughs> is trying to tell us that they're auto-playing something in five seconds. That's what's happening now. And, they, and, they, and you can't watch the credits. You can't get there fast enough to watch it. No, no, forget it. Who, need, who needs credits other than all the people who work on it? Actually, that, I mean, that is, that is uh, I agree completely with uh, Hobo Eric's point, third point. Uh, we talked about it here a lot, which is they're going to get paid. Like, they're going to get paid. They, they, they don't make the TV as a charity. They, they're going to get paid. And if you don't pay them through your cable bill, that you'll pay them through some other bill or they'll stop making the things or they'll wall the things off. And then you have, again, you have to pay because in the end, this stuff has to, money has to be involved for them to make the thing. And so, you know, if if you're like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I pay a hundred dollars for TV now every month, but in the future I'll pay nothing. It's like, well, no, you won't. That won't, that's not how it's going to work. So no, exactly. Support the artists. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, uh, you could be like hobo Eric people and, and record your voice and then send it to us at podcast at tvtalkmachine.com you could also not be like hobo eric or be like how he used to be and maybe again and just put words in an email at that same address podcast at tvtalkmachine.com you don't have to record a voice message but it is kind of fun uh some sometimes if you're if you're Super up to fun it. yeah just a little variety a little variety you can also tweet at us at tvtm and that works too and that's how we heard that uh, mars is on netflix and that made <laughs> uh that made everybody over at nat geo happy including stephanie so including you know, our friend stephanie that's very important very important all right, uh, so those are ways to reach us, and we will be back next week with reviews of a bunch of new stuff and more of your letters with any luck. But until then, uh, who do we say goodbye to, Tim? Goodbye, everybody! Goodbye, everybody! Goodbye, everybody! <laughs>